discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lift up your hands toward heaven. And just glorify the Father. Just wave your hands. Wave unto the Father. He has been good to us. He has been good to us. Father, we thank you. Giving thanks unto the Father. Who has made us meet. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Give him thanks. Glorify him. Give him thanks. Glorify him. Give him thanks. Glory, Baba, Baba, Shambra, Shimbra, Nuri, Ati. The Kori, Bashambra, Shimbra, Ne. Give him the glory. Give him the glory. Give him the glory. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you have done great things for us. Your word said it was like a dream when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. Then said they of the hidden, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Turn again our captivity as the streams of the south. Father, we are grateful for the love you've showered upon us. Thank you for having had mercy on us. Father, you are good continually. Oh, that men will give thanks for your goodness. Not unto us, oh God, not unto us, but unto thee we give glory. For thy truth and thy mercy's sake. Father, we bless you for everyone represented here this blessed morning. Every life, every family, we thank you. Father, thank you for this local church. Thank you for love economy. Thank you for the branch here and the branches represented here. Thank you for having fashioned us together. 
in your eternal wisdom, in your eternal intention. Thank you for this ministry. Thank you that you have used it to bless our lives, to raise us, to equip us. We thank you. And thank you for this meeting. Thank you that angels are all around and your glory is all in this place. The living manner is ready. The living manner is ready. God is about to fill your souls with the bread from heaven. Your lives are never going to be the same. Oh, thank you, Father. We are transformed from glory to glory. Glory to glory. That in these meetings, destinies are shaped. Destinies are shaped. Every mountain is made low. Every valley is exalted in our lives. The crooked path in this meeting, the crooked path in our lives are made straight. The rough places are made smooth. And the glory of God is revealed. And all flesh will see the salvation of God. You will be as the watered garden, as the streams of waters whose waters never fail. Your health will spring forth speedily. The lines will fall in pleasant places. You are receiving a goodly heritage. The Lord maintains your, your lot and he becomes your cup. I see God giving you bread on every side. Bread on every side. Provision spiritually and physically. Provision. Abundance. You are in abundance. Spiritual revelation and material blessings. Abundance everywhere. Your name be exalted. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you. We honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, the Son of God. Amen. Can you please be seated? Thank you. long last we are here. <laughs> wow. We are so full of joy to see all of you. Bishop told me this last year or last two years that oh we are we are come to Tamale. We are come to Tamale. The last time I came here three years ago I was hosted by Pastor Davis. Pastor Davis good to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you. It's good to see you. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome. So I told your pastor that the next time I'm coming to Tamale will be love economy. Yeah. <laughs> it has come to pass. It has come to pass. And uh, first of all, I want to say God has given us a, 
a gift. Bishop Oti is a gift. Hallelujah. Yes. We thank God for this lovely servant of God whom God is using mightily. And his life is worthy of emulation. So, he's following Christ, so follow him. Yeah, he's following Christ, follow him. He's so humble, simple-hearted. He follows the Holy Spirit. He loves God. He's just an embodiment of the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's so good to have Bishop Oti as your pastor, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's so good to be pastored by him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, you can see, he has pastored the pastors, and the pastors are pastoring you. <laughs> so, the whole thing is flowing to you. So, but I'm telling you, you are in a good place. Love economy is a powerful place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good place. He says, I'll give you pastors or shepherds after my own heart. And they will feed you with what? Wisdom. And that's, that's, that's what is happening. Hallelujah. So, Hallelujah. Bishop, we thank God for your life. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Can I just imagine the next 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Every, every nation, everybody wants to meet Bishop Oti. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and all the pastors that are with him, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. I mean, God bless you for the obedience of faith and following the man God gave you. Hallelujah. Your path will ever prosper. This this divine connection is is unique. Yeah, so you're all blessed. There, there are some pastors, and when you meet them, they are so sad. When you look at their faces, their faces are sad to see, like the Sadducees. Sad to see. Others too are far to see. <laughs> but when you meet love economy pastors, oh, your faces exude with smiles. And joy. <laughs> their faces alone advertises the finished work of Christ. It's, it's so nice. Hallelujah. So God bless you. All the leadership, everyone, God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My great friend Victor, it's good to see you. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Victor, right. Yeah, it's good to see you. Yeah. So, God bless all of you. You are in the right place. Hallelujah. So today is a very powerful day because, because uh, you're having a meeting tonight and the prophet is coming. So don't miss it. <laughs> don't, don't miss it. Hallelujah. You are going to be well fed and blessed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way and brood upon us and fill, fill us, feed us. Thank you. Have preeminence. We allow you to do what you want to do here. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. It's so nice to go to church. You see, when you go to church, a lot of things happen. Sometimes you may not see its effect immediately. Sometimes the effect will happen months and even years. Whenever you go to church, it's like an invest- investment. It's an investment. Whenever you go to church, what you hear and what is pronounced over you has consequences that manifest in your life. Now, according to the, according to the Bible, now anytime you are going to the house of God, the Bible uses the expression that you, are go, you, you, you go up. Now, when the Bible speaks of going to the house of God, the Bible always says that when you are going to the house of God, you go upward. But when you are going into Egypt or into the world, you go downward. The expressions of scripture is amazing. Anytime you are going to the house of God, it's an upward walk. But anytime you are engaging, you are going into Egypt, which is a symbol of the world, you are going down. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy walls, O Jerusalem. Psalm 122. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of Israel, unto the testimony of the Lord. So the Bible says that whether the tribes go up, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The tribes go up. And whenever you are going to the house of God, you are going up. It has a connotation of elevation. You see, the house of God always brings elevation to your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something happens. Other you know, spiritual elevations, marital elevations, material elevations, financial elevations. Elevations happen. You go up. But whenever you are going into Egypt, you are going down. Egypt is a symbol of the world. Now the Bible says Abraham, in Genesis 12, Abraham went down to Egypt. The Bible says that and Joseph was brought down to Egypt. <laughs> God told Jacob, fear not to go down to Egypt. Isaiah 31 says, woe unto them that go down to Egypt. So anytime you are going to Egypt, you are going down. But anytime you are going to the house of God, you are going up. So now that you are here, I'm telling you, you are going up. Yeah, so elevation will come to your life. Oh, Dr. Omako, I never saw you. Dr. Omako is here. He's a, he's a lecturer at GDS. Thank you. It's good to see you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. And anytime you are in the will of God, you are going up. Anytime you miss the will of God, you, you go down. Have you, the Bible says, and Jonah fled from the presence of God to go down to Tashish. <laughs> to go down to Tashish. And the Bible says that he went down into a ship. Yes. And the Bible says that, and he went down to the side of the ship. You read Jonah, you see down, down, down. He went down to the side of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> and he went down to the belly and went down to the side of the mountains. <laughs> so, so when, you, when you miss the will of God, you go down in life. May you never miss the will of God for your life. <laughs> there is no place like this. The Bible says 
in Psalm 42 that the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. The, the church is Mount Zion. The joy of the whole earth is Mount, Mount Zion. The place of joy is here. It's not in the disco. It's here. Yeah. The Bible says the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The dwelling of the righteous. The voice of rejoicing. That's when I came. You, you, were, you were rejoicing. I, I was so happy. I said, this is, this is really the house of God. There are certain places when you go, you wonder, are you in a church or in a funeral? <laughs> because the Bible says the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles, the dwelling of the righteous. Hallelujah. Because if truly we are in the midst of innumerable company of angels, the Holy Spirit, the church of the firstborn which I registered in heaven, we are in union and fellowship with the spirit of just made, made, made perfect, the noble host of the elect. I mean, and everything you need is here. Everything. So in the midst of the service, your sorrow is gone. Your sickness is gone. Your depression is gone. Your financial death is cancelled. Just being a right, have the right attitude. This church of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I brought you a message titled, How to Walk in Daily Victory. Wow. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> How to Walk in Daily Victory. It's our desire that you personally begin to walk in daily victory. Daily victory. Your victory will not be one-time victory. It will not be yearly victory. It will not be monthly victory. Your victory will be Diana every day. Every day. When you go to work, you are full of smiles. You are wondering, ah, but we, we receive the same pay. How come yours, it seems your case is different. We go to the same lecture hall. We are all bombard, bombarded with the same challenges and the trials of life. But it seems you, we are in a hot condition. You seem to be an air con, in an air-conditioned environment. So many should come to you and ask you, what is your secret? How come? How come? You're always smiling. You're always dressing nice, eating well. Your family is blessed, everything. What, what's your secret? That's your story. David said, I am as a wonder to many. You'll be a wonder to many. Yeah, it's going to happen. Be a wonder. Be a wonder. God will make you first among equals. <laughs> and you begin to reign in life. After love economy, your mandate is to reign in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you are connected to this ministry, you are... And you follow well before you realize you are raining. You are raining, raining over poverty, raining over addictions, raining over ill health, raining over depressions and frustrations of life, raining over marital distresses and embarrassment. Yours is the way of God. You become a soul winner. Yours is the way of God. You are full of purpose. Yours is the way of God. You are financially buoyant. Yours is the way of God. Your hand stretches to bless others. That's your portion. We reign in life. Hallelujah. That, that's a portion. That's a portion. So when the word comes daily, it's to perfect you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bishop is an example. Ten years ago, 
Bishop, some of you are in a far better place than Bishop was 10 years ago. Far, 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 10 years ago. <laughs> he wasn't having money. <laughs> he wasn't having money. His dressing was some way. <laughs> Sometimes you could see that he's really thinking. <laughs> he didn't know how things were going to work. <laughs> but all those things are now of the past. <laughs> so, no, so when God gives you a man, he becomes like a prototype to show you what he can do with your life. Yeah, so that's what God is doing. And he's a blessed man. He just came having a meeting with Bishop Dak. He was sitting with Bishop Dak. Hallelujah. I said, among the bishops, Bishop Dak said, oh no, I want you to be close to me. Hallelujah. <laughs> just chatting, just chatting. God will take you far. Hallelujah. So he gives you a man as an example of what he can do in your life. So you are blessed. Can you please be seated? See, the way you pull out receiving the word, if you don't take time, I can preach for 10 hours. <laughs> if I do 10, then prophet will do 20. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. I wanted to give you the picture of the tabernacle of Moses, but I couldn't do that. Uh-huh. But I don't think we can even see. Is it possible to see? Can you give me a picture of the tabernacle of Moses? The tabernacle of Moses. Just, just, yeah. And turn with me to the book of John, chapter 13. So, you try and get from the tabernacle of Moses as I read John, chapter 13. John chapter 13, from verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Having loved his own, he loved them unto the end. When Jesus loves you, he loves you to the end. Now, the word end actually means full extent. Full extent. When Jesus loves you, his love is thorough, it's intense. It, it never fades, it, it never wins. In fact, his love is an ever, for you is an ever, everlasting love. There is nothing you will ever do that will cause him to change his mind concerning you. And there is nothing you can do that will make him unlove you. His love for you is apart from your performance. <laughs> he loves you. He says, I've loved you with everlasting love. That means that uh, he has already loved you even in your future, which you have no idea. Including all your mistakes and shortcomings. He has already loved you. His love has spanned the length of eternity. That's what it means. After friends, a friend can love you or someone can propose love to you. A person says, I, I will love you. I will, I will do much for you. I will sacrifice for you. But after six months down the line. <laughs> I 
the person rewarded with broken heart. But that's not Jesus. He loves you despite whatever comes. He loves you. The supper being ended, the devil having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. He had come from God and went to God. He rised up, he rised up from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and gathered himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was gathered. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He that is washed needed not save to wash his feet, but is clean every weight, but is completely clean. And ye are clean, but not all. Hallelujah. How to walk in daily victory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How to walk in daily victory. Hallelujah. Now, when you go into the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of Moses, I know most of you have seen a picture before, the, the tabernacle of Moses. When you enter the tabernacle, there's, there's first a gate, which is the entrance. So you enter through the gate into the court. And when you get into the court, the first thing you meet is called the altar of sacrifice. The altar of sacrifice. That is where the animals were placed on the altar. And that is where the animals were killed. So that's the first item you meet when you enter through the gate into the court, the tabernacle. The animals were slain. Praise God. So follow me carefully. You enter through the gate into the court. The first thing you meet is called the altar of sacrifice, where the animals were killed. All right. Now, after the altar, you there's the, the next thing you, you, you will meet. The next thing you meet after the altar is something called the liver. Say the liver. It is spelled L-A-V-E-R. The liver. So you meet the liver. Now the liver is like a basin. It's made of bronze. Okay, so, all right. So this is the, this is the altar of sacrifice. So you come through the gate, you meet the altar, then you meet the liver. All right, thank you. The liver is, is made of brass, oh, sorry, bronze. And it was made with the mirrors of women. Inside is mirror. They use the mirrors of women to line the inside of the liver. And there was water inside. There's water inside. The water is for washing. So you follow me, you come to the gate, you made the altar first. That's the altar. The second is the liver, the container that has water. Now, the liver has water. What is it used for? After the sacrifice, when the priest had killed the animal, 
He has come to the liver and first wash his hands from the blood. But most importantly, he has to wash his feet. Now, in the tabernacle of Moses, you can't go there with shoes, like the way you're wearing shoes. The tabernacle, you, you, if you're a priest, you serve barefooted. And it was in the desert. So you walk barefooted. So it was required that you have to wash your feet with water. Just wash your feet. Wash your feet. And after you wash your feet, the Bible says that without washing your feet, you cannot enter the holy place. So there's the outer court, there's the holy place and the holy of holies. Now the only requirement to entry into the holy place was to wash your feet. Other than that, you cannot go. You are denied access from going. Praise God. You are denied access from going. So there's the entrance, there's the altar, and there's the liver. Just before you enter into the tabernacle proper, the holy place. So without washing your feet, you cannot enter. You are disqualified. But before you become a priest in those days, you have to be bathed. Moses will have to bath you. Are you not happy you are in the New Testament? If we're in the Old Testament, like all the pastors, Bishop would have to bath you. There will be a big A here, one by one. Then Bishop will bath you, bath your armpit, bath everywhere. <laughs> Can you imagine? So Moses had to bath them first before they qualify into the priesthood. But Moses only bathed them once. After that, Moses doesn't bath them again. The only responsibility after that is that they must wash their feet every day before. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. After this one, they must wash their feet here before they can enter. That's it. So Moses' duty is bath them once, then they have to wash their feet every time they are entering. Hallelujah. Please do you understand. Now, Let's go to John 13, what we read. Now, from verse 3, the Bible says that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, look at what he did. Verse 4. He rises from supper, laid aside his garment, and Jesus now began to wash the feet of the disciples. Can you imagine? Now, in those days, if you have a big house, rich people had a lot of slaves. When you come from town, the one responsible for washing your feet is the lowest among the slaves. So it's not just a slave, it's the lowest among the slaves. He takes a towel and washes the feet of the master. So this time around, they had come from town, and this was the upper room. This happened in the upper room. The upper room is a hill place in Mount Zion. So they had climbed the mountain, and the road was not hard. The place was dusty. Uh-huh. It's like Ghana. <laughs> but it's not just Tamil, even Accra. Even Accra. It's last week when we were coming. Last week we were flying. Is it with you? Or... Yeah, when we were flying, I, I, yeah, we, we saw Accra. I, I told Bishop that it's almost like only 2% of roads or 1% of roads started. 
You may think it's Tamale. No, Accra is worse. <laughs> the roots that are tied, you may think it's a lot. Less than 5%. Less than 5%. So the road was dusty. Now, in, in those days, after you walk into the room, the, the lowest of sleeve just takes towel and basin of water and washes your feet. Now they got inside. Who, who do you suppose was to wash Jesus' feet? The youngest was John, probably, because John was very young. And John said, hmm, I don't think I'll do this. <laughs> John didn't wash. John, John didn't wash. They were all young. The disciples were really young. I don't have time to prove, but they were all less than 20, except Peter. It's in the Bible. That's not what I'm doing. Bishop will explain to you. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. That is why only Jesus, Jesus paid the temple tax, which is a tribute. He paid for Peter and for himself only. You paid the temple tax when you're above 20, according to Exodus, Exodus 33. That's a tribute. He didn't pay for the rest of the 11 because they were young people. Yeah, so don't worry. It can be an, an apostle at age 19. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> All right. So, Peter, John refused. Andrew refused. Nathaniel refused. Bartholomew refused. Thomas refused. Peter's, after Peter, he felt like, mm, I'm the eldest. Why should I do that? So, when Jesus realized that none of them was doing it, he himself <laughs> decided to wash their feet. And the, now, before he washed their feet, look, look at what the Bible says in verse 3 and verse 4. The Bible says that he knew that the Father has put all things into his hands. And he knew where he, where he came from and where he was going. So that means that real humility is rooted in identity. Humility is rooted in identity. Now, if you know who you are in Christ, it is easier to humble yourself. Yeah, if you meet people who are overly... Um, jealous and envious and insecured. The problem is that they don't really know who they are in Christ. Not knowing what, who you are in Christ will lead you to a lot of crises in life. Yeah. Jesus knew who he has, what he has in Christ, what belonged to him and who he was. So going down was nothing. Humbling yourself is not a loss. You understand? There are some people when they humble themselves, they, they think they are defeated. So Jesus himself, the Bible says he gathered himself, he, he took the garb of a servant, and he himself began to wash their feet. So he began to wash their feet, maybe starting from John. He washed John's feet, came to Bartholomew, Nathaniel, Andrew, all of them. <laughs> and he came to Peter. Now, when it came to Peter, it's amazing. Look at what Peter said. <clears throat> verse 8. Uh, verse 6. Peter said, Lord, what are you doing? What's a question? Why do you, Lord, what are you doing? But what has he been doing? <laughs> Peter is a character. Lord, what are you doing? But what has he been doing? <laughs> then in verse 8, he said, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Sorry, verse, the previous verse. No, no, it's the same verse. Uh -huh. 
Verse 8. Thou shalt never wash my feet. Can you imagine? Peter was in, in, a, in, a, in a effect saying he was better than the rest of the disciples who have allowed you to wash their feet. They must be very proud. So Peter said, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Now, in the Greek, you know what the Greek says? You will never wash my feet, even to the ages of the eternities. That's Peter. You will never wash my feet. No, 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 no. Not even to the ages of the eternities. There's a double negation here. No, never, not in any way. Will I permit you to wash my feet, even to the ages of the eternities? Can you imagine? Now, Jesus said something. Look at verse 7. What I do, thou knowest not, but thou shalt know hereafter. Jesus was washing her feet. He says, what I'm doing, you have no idea. That means that the washing of feet is not just washing of feet. Every Jew knew what washing of feet meant. Because it was a normal practice among the Jews. But now Jesus is saying that what I'm doing, you have no idea. But thou shalt know in the hereafter. When the Holy Ghost comes, you will know in the hereafter. That means it's going to, it's going to take a revelation. So what Jesus did was not just washing of feet. It was pointed to something higher than itself. Please, are you here? The washing of feet was not just washing of feet. It's a mystery because it says, Thou knowest not. Thou knowest not. It is hidden, but thou shalt know in the hereafter. So it, it, it's a message. It's something he's communicating. It is something pointing beyond washing of feet. So washing of feet is just a figure of what he wants to communicate. There's something higher. Hallelujah. Now look at what Peter said. The next verse. Jesus said, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And look at, look at Peter's answer. Someone Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. This guy is very zealous. Say, <laughs> so Lord, now, Charlie, for what you have said, my hands, just, just bath me. <laughs> my hands and my head is bath me. It's very zealous. <laughs> How can you say that? He just washed the feet of the rest of the people. But you want more. You want hands and head. <laughs> and Jesus gave a striking answer. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is completely clean. Hmm. This was the answer to Peter's question. Not only my feet, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to Peter, He that is washed, does not need to wash his, himself again. He that is washed, needed not. He that is washed, needed, does not need to wash himself again, except his feet. But is completely clean. And he are not all clean. And he are clean, but not all. This is referring to Judas Iscariot. Okay. All right. No, let's stay. Let's stay there. He that is washed. How many washed do you see in this verse? He that is washed. Needed not save to wash. How many washed do you see here in this verse? How many? Two. But the Greek words are all different. Now the Greek word for this wash is different from the Greek word for this wash. This one is luo. This one is nipto. Now this wash means to take a complete bath. To take a complete bath. Bath in your whole body. That's this word, luo, washing your whole body. But this word, nipto, is just washing a part of your body. Washing a part of your body, like your feet. 
or, or it's like ablution, like your feet. All right. So Jesus is saying that the one who is has washed, who who is bathed, if you bath, you don't need to bath again. The one who has bathed does not need to bath again. But the only place he has to wash is his feet. This is what I'm. Yeah. So the word is for bathing. It says if you have bathed, you are completely clean. You don't need to bath again. The only place you have to wash, the second wash, washing the part of the body, is your feet. Praise God. Now, does this ring a bell? To the tabernacle of Moses. And I said that in that tabernacle, Moses has to have to bath them once. And that is the bathing. Moses had to bath them once. After bathing, after he had bathed them and they entered into the priesthood, their only duty was to wash their feet. That's the only duty, was to wash their feet daily. Now, that is what Jesus is saying. That the one who is bathed, he doesn't need to bath again. Because he's clean. He's completely clean. The only thing he has to wash is his feet. So we have the Old Testament corresponding to John chapter 13. It's his feet. Now, what does it mean to bath? Brethren, if I'm born again, you've taken a bath. <laughs> if I'm born again, you are completely clean. The Bible says, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified by the name of our Lord and by the Spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. Not by works of righteousness wherewith ye are saved, but by his own mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Titus 3, verse 5. We have been washed. The washing of regeneration is a total washing. The washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Let us therefore draw now unto him in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled away from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Hebrews 10, 22. So we have been washed. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers there unto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshippers, once cleansed, should have had no more, once purged, should have had no more conscience of sins. You see, for the worshippers, we are the worshippers. Once purged, once, listen, we are purged once. Now, the Greek, actually, in the Greek, says once and for all. It's the word for purging. We have been purged once and for all. We are not purged twice. It's once and for all when you come to Christ. It's once and for all purged. That's the Greek. Should have had no more conscience of sin. So, we have taken one bath. You cannot be born again again. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you can, there are some people, every auto call, they come forward. <laughs> every auto call, they come forward. <laughs> One day I went to preach somewhere and I made an auto call. When they were coming, I was so excited. I said, oh, the message has gone well. But later on, the whole people, everybody came. I said, no, this, is, this, this cannot be. <laughs> so even a pastor. <laughs> there are places even a pastor comes to receive Christ. <laughs> Can you imagine? Because they don't really understand salvation. 
One day I preached in the church, and after that, a woman came to me. He said, Say, it seems we are far from salvation. I said, We are not far. The word is an ID in thy mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so there are people who, who, who claim that every other code they go, at least one, one of them will work. <laughs> Because <laughs> they want a kind of feeling. There are people when they come for the altar call, they weep, they will roll, they will do everything. But they, are, they didn't really co- confess Christ. There are others when they come, they are emotionless. You wonder whether they really receive Christ. But after a while, we see fruit in their lives. But when you receive Christ sincerely, you are completely, it's a once and for all bath. Hallelujah. After taking your bath, he's saying that what you need, Jesus says that when you have bathed, Peter was calling for another bath, symbolically. Jesus says, no. When you have taken your bath, you don't need to bath again. You are completely clean. Brethren, in Christ, we are all holy. You see, we call it positional, not experiential holiness, positional holiness. We have been sanctified. We have been justified. God sees us not in you. He sees you in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in him. God sees you perfect. For by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's how the Father sees you. Because he has presented us holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. So when you stand before God, he doesn't see your weaknesses and shortcomings. He sees you in Christ. Yeah, if you know this, you pray boldly. Yeah. God cannot refuse my prayer. It's like saying you can refuse Jesus' prayer. Once you know you're right, you cannot. (laughs) Hallelujah. So, accept your feet. He says you have to wash your feet. You know why? Because you are in contact with the earth every day. Because we are not in shoes, the tabernacle of Moses, they walk barefooted, so they were in touch with the earth. In the same way, we have to wash our feet because we are in touch with the earth. We are in touch with the earth every day. We are in touch, I'll explain what it means. We are in touch with the earth every day. We are in touch with the world every day. All right. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24 to 26. Let's start from 25. All right, now that you understand washing of feet, what was Jesus really, really talking about? Because he said, told Peter, what I'm doing, thou knowest not, but thou shalt know in the hereafter. And we have understood that when you have, you have taken your bath, when you are saved, what is left is washing of feet. And it was typified by the practices of the old covenant priesthood. How many of you get me up to now? Thank you very much. Now, look at what Jesus says. Husbands, love your wives as even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Do you have the Dewey version? There's a version called the Dewey version. I don't know whether you know that version. Whether you have that version. I have it here. I want to read from that version. The Dewey rhymes version. The Dewey Rams Bible. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing. Now the word washing here in the Greek is a word for labor. Labor. Do you remember I spoke about labor when I started preaching? 
Now the priest, after crossing the altar of sacrifice, the next thing was labor. The altar of sacrifice speaks of the cross. After you have seen, experienced the cross, Christ, he, your salvation, the next thing is the, is, is the labor. And the word here is labor in the Greek. Now, this version says, the Dewey Rams version says, in Ephesians 5.26, that he might sanctify it, cleansing it by the labor of water in the word of life. That's what it says. That he might sanctify it, cleansing it by the water, by the labor of water in the word of life. So now it is telling us what the labor is. The labor is the word. Hallelujah. The word of life. The word of life. Jesus said to Peter, what I'm doing, thou knowest not, but thou shalt know in the hereafter. So actually washing your feet with the word daily, washing your feet with water daily, is the word. Because the word actually is water. Because every day you gather, feet, you gather dust on your feet. You gather dust on your feet daily. So he says, every day your feet must be washed. Your feet must be washed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Your feet must be washed because you are in touch with the world. Now, dust in the Bible stands for defilement in the way. Defilement in the way. Dust also is a serpent food. Because he says, dust shall be thy food all the days of your life. Dust is a serpent food. Now, every day when you leave your home and you go to work or you go for a lecture, you carry dust. When you come back home, you have to wash your feet or wash your feet before you go again. And let me show you how you gather dust. Hmm. That we gather so much dust because when you leave home, maybe you've left home and you're going to work. You lifted your head and you saw a billboard. There's this nice skinny lady. You watch the billboard and a voice said, watch again. Can't you see she's more beautiful than your wife? And the voice said, look at the physical vital statistics. <laughs> and as you look, you conceive certain thoughts. You know what you have gathered? Dust. <laughs> Someone says this one is beyond dust. It's cow dung. <laughs> or you get to work. Or as you are driving, you are listening to news. And you, you get to hear how hard the economy, economy has been. Prices of goods, fuel prices, goods and services. As you are hearing, you go like, hey. All of a sudden, fear and doubt enters your heart. Fear enters your heart. And you have no idea you've carried dust. So when you come to church, originally you have planned to give 100 Ghana. But pay what you heard on the road, on the way. Hey, we have to save, we have to be careful. (laughs) So instead of 100 Ghana, you give 10 Ghana. Because you carry dust. Hmm. 
Listen, you know Kenny Higgin of blessed memory. Kenny Higgin had a photographic memory. He read once, he can reproduce the rest for you. Yeah, he could quote all of the New Testament. One day, now, but when he was in his mid-50s, he couldn't remember again. Kenny Higgin can remember when he was at age 16 and was sick. When he was in the ambulance, and, he, 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 <laughs> and, and the car was moving, they were passing behind certain stores. He can remember what was written in front of the stores and in front of the buildings. Can you imagine at age 80, he could remember when he was 16. So he has such retention of memory. But when he was in his mid-50s, he couldn't remember things again. So he went to Jesus, the Lord, and asked him, Lord, what's the problem? What is happening to me? It's, now, it's difficult for me to remember as I used to. He says the Lord actually spoke to him and showed him what happened. He said, the Lord said, remember that you got into contact with this medical article and you read it. And the article actually said that naturally when you are in your mid-50s, your brain capacity goes down. Your retentive abilities actually goes down. And the Lord said, as you, as you read it, you believed it. And that is what is happening in your life. And he never knew he didn't believe it. You know what happened? He carried dust. So the effect is happening. He didn't even know where he got it from. <laughs> a certain guy was believing God for, during the COVID season, believing God for healing. He had, he had gotten a COVID. And he heard the news that, oh, a very popular pastor had gotten COVID. He lost his faith. I said, ah, if pastor, this pastor has gotten COVID, who is even close to God? <laughs> Can you imagine? Then who am I? <laughs> that is dust. Dust. You go to work, you know, a lot of things happen at, at workplaces and lecture halls and hostels. A lot of talking. And the talking is mingled and mixed with gossips. <laughs> talking, 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 talk against men of God, talk, talk against this, against this, this is happening, this is happening. And you find yourself amongst them, and it's like you are compelled to say something. Because if you don't talk, almost like you are non-conformist, you are antisocial. So you want to feel a part and a parcel of what is happening, so you are not ex exempted. So you get yourself in the conversation. When you are living, you feel like something, you, you have a sense of life that as if there's a dissipation, something is wrong. Because you are vexed with a kind of conversation that you shouldn't have. No, why you are feeling that way, you've carried dust. You've spoken too wrongly, got yourself into a conversation that are off track. So it's dust. Now let me show you something. If a woman is cooking in the kitchen, let's say frying fish, and you go and stand in the kitchen for 10 minutes, and you walk to the bedroom, what happens? You can smell. Even after frying the fish, after 10 minutes, when you get to the kitchen, the aroma is still there. That is how words are. You see, when, let's say, a group of, of us gather together to speak negatively and wrongly, what are spirit? As we speak, talking about ill people, gossiping, backbiting, the words linger a while in the atmosphere, even when we leave. When you leave, when you get into that atmosphere, 
If you don't take time, it has a way of it has a way of the atmosphere. You can carry that atmosphere. Before you realize you're becoming, you are not fine, as if you are depressed. Be as if uh, but you were happy a few minutes ago, but what is happening? These are spiritual things. In the same way, when you are talking God's word and speaking positively, that's why there are certain homes. If you get to the home, to the home of some of the men of God, ah, the place is so alive. There is joy because the word is communicated. <laughs> you can carry dust. Someone just comes to tell you what someone said about you. Instantly, you are embittered. Instantly. What does it mean? You are embittered. You have pain. It can degenerate into hatred because of what someone said about you. So daily, we are hearing things on the radio, things, we are seeing things on the billboard, things, uh, we are seeing the television, I mean, movies, too many things. Internet. Literally, you are carrying your phone. There's so much dust. <laughs> when you come back home, remember, you've come with dust. You must wash your feet. You must wash your feet. And how do you wash your feet? The liver of the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The liver of the word. The liver of the word. Now we may take this lightly, but let me show how its severity, how important this is. Why should you wash your feet when you carry dust? Maybe you, you've carried dust to sit in this place. As I'm talking Christ, this guy, what is he saying? You've, you've heard too many negative things. Someone will say, oh, pastor, don't go and give to, that, to, to, to your pastor. Have you seen how he has been dressing? That's your offering. You see how he has been dressing? That's your offering. Because you heard that from an unbeliever. But somewhere, somehow, it can, it can sink into your heart. Before you realize, it's affecting your actions. You never believed it, but it has a way of affecting your actions. That's what you must even, even with preachers, you must take heed the one you, who you hear. Yeah. Someone says something that challenges sound doctrine of scripture. It can affect you. Yeah. So when we are bringing our offering, you are there. Hmm. Then that starts coming. Hey. Are these people sincere at all? <laughs> You've carried dust. It should have been washed months ago. The dust has compounded. We need to wash daily. Hallelujah. Now, this is so important. This is so important. Let me show the severity of it. Let's go to John chapter 13. Let's see what Jesus said in verse 7. Verse 8. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Now, look at how dangerous it is. He says, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Now, if you don't wash your feet, you know what's going to happen? You have no part with Jesus. That's how severe, severe this whole thing is. Now, what does it mean when Jesus said, you have no part with me? I'll give you three meanings of what Jesus said. Now, Jesus didn't say, you have no part in me. He said, you have no part with me. 
He never said you have no part in me. If he had said you have no part in me, it's almost like you are no more, you are no more a believer. Remember, we are in him. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. He's not saying we are going to be dismembered. No. We and Christ, we are in an indissoluble union. We are inseparable. Hallelujah. So he never said you have no part in me. No, we are still in him. But if you don't wash your feet daily, you have no part with him. You have no part with him. What does it mean to have no part with him, with Jesus? What does it mean? Number one, I'll give you three. He says, you have no part with me. Can you imagine? Thou has no part with me. May it never happen to you. If you don't allow Jesus to wash your feet daily, you have no part with him. What does it mean? Number one, it means you forfeit your priestly ministry. You forfeit your priestly ministry. You forfeit your priestly ministry. Now, we have a photo album of all of this in the tabernacle as I showed you. It's a picture. It's an adumbration. Now, Jesus says that you have no part with me. In the tabernacle of Moses, it's amazing when you read Exodus, the Bible says that if you don't wash your feet, you cannot enter the holy place. He said, if you try to enter, you die. It's death. So those who are consecrated into the priestly ministry, look, if you don't wash your feet and you try to enter the holy place to do the work of the ministry, he says you die. The only requirement for life is to wash your feet before you go there. That's the Old Testament. Now, there are different kinds of ministry in the tabernacle. There's a ministry of the outer court, and there's a ministry of the holy place. I understand this. At the outer court, those who are working at the outer court are only Levites. That's a Levitical ministry. But if you want an upgrade to the priestly ministry, you enter into the holy place. And the requirement is to wash your feet daily. So if you don't wash your feet daily, you know what's happening? Your ministry is only reduced to the Levite type of ministry. <laughs> it's the outer court ministry. I'll explain what it means. But first of all, listen. What is in the holy place? The requirement is that until you wash your feet, you cannot go there. What is the lesson for us? The altar of incense is in the, <laughs> the altar of incense is in the holy place. It's a symbol of worship, true worship, and even true prayer and intercession. That's the altar of incense. That means without washing your feet, you can't even worship, worship properly. You see, you can't even worship properly without washing your feet. You can't even pray properly. There are people who are praying. It's not how much you pray, but how well you pray. It's not just celebrating long prayers. It's good to pray long, but you have to celebrate answers. It just shouldn't say, oh, I've prayed long, but did you get, an answer? Did you, did you get answers? Uh-huh. It shouldn't just, you know, if pray long, you've, look, you have a full bucket here. This is my sweat. <laughs> you have a towel by your side. You sweat. You clean, you squeeze a bucket full of sweat as a proof of your diligence in prayer. But how many answers do you have? You are celebrating prayers, but you can't celebrate answers. <laughs> because you're not washing your feet. Without washing your feet, you cannot do your... You forfeit your priestly ministry. Now, in the New Testament, we are all priests. You are a chosen generation. 
and holy nation, a royal priesthood. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And first Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, We are the holy priesthood. He also as living stones. We are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer unto God spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So we are God's holy priest. We are God's royal priest in a New Testament economy. But now you can be holy priest by calling, but by experience you forfeit it because you are not washing your feet daily. So you have no part with me. That means you cannot even serve with Jesus in the ministry. He cannot use you. Many think Jesus is using them. No, they are using Jesus. Yeah, they are using Jesus as a means to an end. They are using him for their fame, using him for their, the money they want, using him for... So many are using Jesus for where they want to go and what they want to do. But what is the outer court ministry? Now, if you don't wash your feet, you, you only have what is called the outer court ministry. What is the outer court ministry? <laughs> Number one, it's just for Levites. That means you, you don't, you're not promoted into priesthood. The outer court ministry, when you're at the outer court, your only illumination is the sun. The sun that shines at the outer court. Can you give me the picture? The sun shines at the outer court. So the illumination, the only source of illumination is the outer court. In the outer court is the sun. Look at this place. The only light is the light of the sun. But when you go inside, <laughs> the place has no window. So there's no natural light. The light there is the lampstand or the candlelight, the candlestick or the menorah. The seven lamps which represent the seven spirit of God. Okay. So this type of ministry it's a kind of ministry that is earthbound. It's a kind of ministry that is driven by human concept and human ideologies. There are some ministries, if you get into those ministries, you realize that whatever they are doing is full of human reason, human concept, human co competitions, envies. People are doing things for themselves and for where they want to reach and for, you know, they want to get, crave attention to themselves. It's all human. The spirit of God is not there. But when you get inside, you have the illumination from the Spirit of God, the Seventh Spirit of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> you have to wash your feet before you can go in. <laughs> but those who don't wash their feet, ministry is just, oh, everything is, there is no leading of the Holy Spirit. People think when we are moving up and down, we are just doing it to ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit. The work we are doing is not human at all. It's not something we have chosen to do. It's not driven by ambition. You see, there are people who are doing ministry and they are driven by ambition. What they want to achieve. That's not what we are doing. If that is what we are doing, oh, maybe the whole world would have known us by now. But we are in step with the Holy Spirit. Because it's his work. It's not our work. Hallelujah. Because we want him to tell us on that day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah. A lot of pastors are in competition with each other. One pastor came to see me and said, Man of God, help me. Help me. I'm under pressure to prove a point. I'm under pressure. I want to prove a point. I want to make it. My friends are telling me my congregation is small. 
I need, I need to get thousands so they can see I'm also there. You see? So people are doing the same thing, but the motives are different. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus is the center of what you are doing. Jesus is the center. Praise God. So Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. You cannot enter the holy place for ministry. You cannot enter the holy place. You cannot enter the holies of holies. Even the high priest himself has to, everyone has to wash his feet before you enter the holy of holies. The holy of holies, the light there is the Shekinah glory. It's God himself. So the sincere ministries are ministries in the holy place and the ministries in the most holy. But the outer court ministries, there are people, they, no, there are pastors who don't even read the Bible. I'm, I'm telling you. They don't read the Bible. So they can't feed the congregation. They say so many things, but it's not, it's not the word. So many things. Human concept, human ideologies. Praise God. N- number two. Number two. Jesus says, you have no part with me. Have no part with him, intimate fellowship. Intimacy. Intimacy. You cannot walk in fellowship and intimacy with Jesus. Now we are called to walk in intimacy and fellowship with Jesus. When you enter the tabernacle of Moses, the only place where you can sit, there's a table called the table of his presence where there is bread and wine. That is the place for communion and intimacy. That is in the holy place. Now when you enter the holy place, there's a table there. It is called the table of his presence. But in the Hebrew, the table of face. Because <laughs> that's where you see his face. And there is bread. And there is wine. And the whole table is crowned with crowns. <laughs> so it speaks of kinship and our reign. And where, that's where you dine with Jesus. Like the way the two guys on the road to Miles, the way they dine with Jesus. So it is intimacy with Jesus. Fellowship with Jesus. How possible can it be? Only when you wash your feet. Can't you see that when you don't wash your feet, I'm telling you, even you, you struggle to even pray. Ordinarily, when you are walking in when you're walking alone, your spirit should be stirred to be talking with Jesus. Lord, you see, just get into conversation. It should come naturally, spontaneously in life. I'll have to take long walks and just be talking to Jesus. Yeah, and talking to Jesus. By the time you come back, you are, you are charged with life. <laughs> it's so nice. But you see, if you don't wash your feet, it's not natural again. The sense is not even there to talk to him. You even, you even seem stressed. When I'm talking to him, as if, as if he's far-fetched. It, it doesn't work. How many of you have experienced what I'm talking about? It, it doesn't work. So he says, you have no part with me. Because the table of his presence is in the holy place. Number three, what does it mean not to have part with him? In Colossians 1, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet or who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. <laughs> you see, so the Father is the one who made us meet, means he has given us the ability. To partake of the inheritance of the saints in life. The word partake here, partakers, is the same word Jesus saying, you have no part with me. In the Greek. That means that without washing your feet, you cannot access your God-given inheritance. 
You cannot access your God-given inheritance. Because you see, our inheritance is with Jesus. Our inheritance with Jesus. If children, then S. S of God and joint S with Christ. In Romans 8.17. S of God and joint S with Christ. We are joint S with Christ. That means that we are like joint S is like joint signatory to an account. What Christ has is yours. What you have is Christ. So all that belongs to the Father. We are heirs of God. Ma, 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 ma. We are children of the absolute monarch of the universe. <laughs> the kids of kings are born into wealth. Is that not so? They don't have to worry anymore. Because naturally, you are born into wealth. We are the kids of the monarch of the universe. <laughs> so we are born into untold wealth. Hallelujah. So naturally, we live in the supply zone. <laughs> we work in the surplus. We are not need conscious. We are not want conscious. We are not lack conscious. That is where we should be. But Jesus is saying, if you don't wash your feet, you wouldn't enjoy the inheritance we have together. Can you imagine? You know what it means? That means if you don't wash your feet, you can't enjoy peace. Because peace is an inheritance. You can't enjoy health. You always be sick. That means you can't enjoy wealth. You be poor or the money you have will not, even your salary will not suffice you. <laughs> Things will not be working. Peace, you see, you don't understand it. God give you higher understanding. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, peace is an inheritance. Jesus says, Peace I leave you. My peace give I unto you. Yeah, that is a John 14 26. My peace I leave you. Now, the word leave in the Greek literally means to be quit as an inheritance. To be quit as an inheritance. So, Jesus is saying, I give you my peace as an inheritance. My peace is a will. I will my peace to you. I will my peace. Peace I bequeath unto you. But he says, if you don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. You can't enjoy your inheritance. And peace is what Jesus gave us. It's one of the inheritances he gave us. Shalom. My, my, my. You know the peace I'm talking about? In the midst of the storms, he was asleep in a boat. Water was coming, but he was, he was deep asleep. This is the kind of peace in the midst of trouble. You know why you are worried every day? You are not washing your feet. (laughs) If you are washing your feet in the midst of the turbulence and the turmoil, you should have not sleep. You should have not sleep in the midst of the turbulence. The best way to become troubles is to sleep and not be worried. Until you step back, God cannot step in. <laughs> Peace and shalom. The Hebrew says shalom. It's your inheritance. I like it. When Jesus rose from the dead, the first thing he said to his disciples is shalom alekem. He spoke in Hebrew, Peace be unto you, and showed them his hands. Because the word shalom in Hebrew is from the word shalem, which means to pay. So he said, Shalom be on you, and he showed them his hands. So I've paid for your shalom. And sh- Hallelujah. Now in the Hebrew, shalom is not just peace of mind. No. It's not just it's peace of mind. But it's peace in your body. We call it health. It's peace in your pocket. We call it wealth. It's peace in your environment. Even the word shalom is so... The, the word is so wide that even the word friendship is in shalom. 
well-being is in shalom rest abundance fullness safety they are all in shalom so shalom my shalom i give unto you that's what he said he said my health i, I give unto you can you imagine jesus, jesus says my health i give unto you as he is in health so are we in this world but he says if you don't wash your feet you have no part with me can you imagine now, i'll show you how to wash your feet I'll show you how to wash your feet. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.